right, children, you can be dismissed to the children's church. Thank God for children's workers. All right. Revelation chapter 4. That may come as a surprise to you, but Revelation chapter 4. As uh, I thought we would be done with our study in Revelation, but as I read, I thought, you know, I, we covered the seven churches of Revelation, and uh, today we're going to look at the throne in heaven. And I think it's important. I don't know if we're going to go on through the book. I just, I really don't know. I'm praying about what to do, but as we're going to look at the throne in heaven, we've got the book of the Revelation, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let's stand, if you will. I'll, uh, we're going to be sitting for the next 65, 90 minutes. Or I'm just kidding, okay? Stand as we read God's Word together. I want to read the whole chapter. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which thou must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor to, and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty beasts fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their th- crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and, and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure They are and were created. And Lord, we bow before you and thank you that you are the creator. You created all things for our pleasure and your glory. And we pray that you might speak to every heart here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. As we began our study on Revelation a couple months or so ago, we said it was divided into three sections. Verse, chapter 1, verse 19 divides it for us. It says, the things which thou hast seen. That was chapter 1. John was, was on the Isle of Patmos. He was a, an exile there. He was one of the twelve, but he was the only one of the twelve not to suffer martyrdom. But he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. There he received the message of the revelation from the Lord. And 
the, the things that thou hast seen. God gave him a heavenly vision of Christ in chapter 1. Then he says, and the things which are. That's chapters 2 and 3. That was the seven churches that were in existence at that time. Seven literal churches, just like our church, but in existence in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And he said, write a letter to each one of those churches. And then he says, and the things which shall be hereafter. And that is a section that starts today and goes all the way to the end of the book, verse uh, chapter 22. So today we're going to look at at least chapter 4, the throne room in heaven, as we continue our study. The book of Romans has been called the courtroom because it presented man as a guilty sinner standing before a holy God. The book of Revelation has been called the throne room. The word throne occurs at least 37 times in this book and opens, it opens up in chapter 1 verse 4 with the Lord on the throne and ends with the throne in chapter 22. And from the throne of God in heaven will come God's swift and sure judgment on this world. Soon, very soon now, soon. It could ha- this could happen as early as today. That the, we believe the Bible teaches, and we'll get into that in a minute, that the church, those who are saved, could be raptured out and be with the Lord. Then, very short time after that, the seven-year tribulation would happen on this earth begin happening on this earth. So I say, when I say soon, I mean soon. Soon, the earth will be invaded with four, four men. One riding a white horse, then a red horse, then a black horse, then a pale horse. Soon, the earth will be shaken, and heaven will be shaking like never before. Soon, hail and fire and blood will fall from the sky, and the mountains will move, and the sea will be turned into blood. Soon, Man will take the mark of the beast. Soon, everybody will take the mark of the beast if they want to live, either in their forehead or in the palms of their hands. Soon, this earth will experience the wrath of God like never before. But all these things will take place after God raptures His church to heaven. And we're going to look at that this morning. So chapter 4 and verse 1, notice the first verse. After this, I looked. Now, after this... Okay, he'd just given the, been given the letters to the seven churches. And so he says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. So John is called up. John is the last apostle remaining. And he represents the church being caught up right before the revelation. And I got some pictures of an artist's conception. Very, very good pictures. I think they are. Um, a lady by the name of Pat Smith did these, and they've been around for quite some time. And you say, well, I don't think it looks like that. Well, then you draw something better. That's all i got to say about that. But anyway, I found some pictures that look pretty good. John looked, and he saw a door opened in heaven. And as the last apostle of, the, of the, representing the church, I believe he's called up. He's caught up right before the tribulation. And what John sees, this is important, what John sees, we are going to see right after we're raptured. That's why I thought this was so important that we, we look at this. I don't want to leave you hanging in the, in the church age of the Laodicea, right? We're in that church age. But one of these days, and very soon, could be today, could be any day, the Lord Jesus is going to say, come up hither like he did John. And we're, we that are saved, he's not looking for church membership now. He's looking to see if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
you're trusting only in Jesus for your salvation, those who are are going to be caught up and we're going to be in this heavenly scene just like John is. So God peels back the curtain, so to speak, and lets us see what we're going to experience very, very soon. So if it's this afternoon, you can say, hey man, my pastor told me about that this morning. Like, this is so real, just like he said, only a lot greater. This one pastor uh, evangelist that we used to have at my church in Louisiana wrote, preached through the book of Revelation in meetings uh, 1,500 times. He was an evangelist, and he would hold week-long, two-week-long meetings for over 50 years. When Ed was dying, he, he, God peeled back the curtain just for a minute, and he said to his wife, Oh, Helen, oh, Helen, it's more beautiful than I've preached, more beautiful than I've ever seen. And then God took him on to heaven. The location of the book, uh, the, well, there are many reasons why I believe verse 1 is a reference to the rapture of the church. Let's read the whole verse. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. There are many reasons why I believe that this verse is a reference to the rapture. One is the location of the book, the location in the book. Chapters 2 and 3 addresses the church. Chapters 4 and 5 is a vision in heaven. Chapter 6, the tribulation begins. You remember when we were talking about the church in Philadelphia, in chapter 3, verse 10, he told that church, and that, that again is representative of our age, the church of revival age, that he would deliver them, from keep them from the hour of temptation that would come on all the earth. So that's a promise that God's going to deliver us out of what's coming on this earth, the tribulation. Another reason why is the absence of any mention in the church from chapter 3 all the way to the end when chapter 22, when he's mentioned as the church is mentioned as the bride. There's no mention of the church whatsoever from here on. No mention of the church. And uh, the church is, is taken out. Another reason why I believe it's a picture of the rapture is because the language and the symbols of the Old Testament are used in verse no, chapter 4 through chapter 18, indicating that God's not dealing with the church. He's talking to the nation of Israel, they, and He's talking to them with Old Testament language. He, he meant, no mention of Israel, by the way, in chapters 2 and 3. But now He begins dealing with the primary reason for the tribulation was to prepare Israel for their coming king. And symbols like the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the altar, the elders, the censers, the cherubim, the seals, the trumpets, the plagues. You can't understand fully the book of Revelation unless you study it with Daniel, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Zechariah. Those main four books you have to say. And you'll see things. We're going to see a, a, a vision that John saw this morning that Ezekiel saw. But uh, the language is a little bit different. But you can't study it. But so God is, is talking to Israel. He's preparing them for their coming king. And then another reason is the similarity of events in Revelation 1, or Revelation 4, verses 1 and 2, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's hold your finger there and, rev, and go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 real quick. 1 Thess 4, same language is used, very similar language is used in reference to the rapture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
verse th- beginning of verse 13, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now this is interesting. He's talking to believers that, that he's comforting them about their believing family members and friends that had gone on to be with the Lord. Some, uh, some people were telling them that, that they, they had already, that they weren't going to ever see him again, that they, were, that they would miss the, the, the rapture and all of those things. So he says, God will bring with him. Where are they? They sleep in Jesus. You know, a believer that dies sleeps in Jesus. We've all had loved ones that have passed away, with, gone to be with the Lord. They sleep in Jesus. One of these days we're going to meet them. In the clouds. In the clouds. Notice what it says. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that's, that's the same language as Revelation chapter 4. The trump of God. He said, I heard as it were a voice saying, come up hither. Paul says, you're going to hear a voice, a shout, a trumpet, the voice of a trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's that word rapture. You see the word rapture. People say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You know the word trinity is not in the Bible either, but we believe it. But here the word caught up comes from, the word rapture comes from caught up. When the Bible was translated into Latin before it was translated into English, they translated the words caught up into Latin were rapturo. That's where we get rapture from. So, caught up, the rapture, to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So, get the progression. Those that are sleeping with Jesus, they're already there in heaven. He's going to bring with them to the clouds, call us up, come up hither, like John did, the door open. We're going to be raptured up to meet the Lord in the air, and we'll ever be with our loved ones and the Lord forever. Now, he says the next verse is so good. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. These are comforting words. These are comforting words. To know that we, as the believers in Christ in this age, will be caught up to be with the Lord are comforting words. Listen today. If I believed one inch, if I believed a quarter of an inch that we were going to be on this earth during the tribulation period, I would not be comforting you. I would be challenging you to buy a bunch of goods, buy a bunch of guns, get a bunch of stuff stored up, ready for that day. That's not comforting words. Right? Comforting words is... One of these days, God's going to jerk us out of here. Before he pours all hell out on this earth, we're going to go home. Praise God, that's comforting words. So John sees that he's taken away. God's word says that, that things are getting worse. Man says that things are getting better. Man says that there's going to be peace among nations. God says that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. And nation will rise against nation. Man thinks he's going to win the battle against disease and famine and hardship and death. God tells us in the book of Revelation about judgments of disease, famine, hardship, and death. So I've got news for you. This world is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. 
And before, he gets, before God pours out his wrath, he's going to take us home to be with him. Now let's look at the throne in heaven. Number one, if you have an outline, number one, the person on the throne. John is caught up in the spirit. The difference between John being caught up right here and us, we are going to be bodily caught up. John went in the spirit. We're going to be bodily caught up. In other words, we're going to empty the building. I believe we're going to leave our clothes behind. We're not going to need these threads up there, okay? God's got some robes for us, and they're sweet, okay? But we're going to leave, and we're going to be instantly changed. By the time we get there, we'll be in the Spirit, but we'll have a body. We'll have our new glorified body. John didn't have that yet. But in the Spirit, he's caught up. He sees one setting upon the throne. And it was, again, it's an artist's conception. Can you see one? No. But this is kind of like what John saw. Verse 2 says, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Here's what I want to tell you, first of all. Get this down. There's a throne set in heaven. Speaks of permanence. There's a throne in heaven, and God's on the throne. Hallelujah. Our God reigns. Amen. I just thought we might have to sing that right quick, right? You know, you know the chorus. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Now that you know it, now you're with me, okay? Ready? Let's sing it again. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. And He still reigns today, okay? I want to tell you, He's still on the throne. He's not abdicating his throne. He's not going to step down and let some other president take charge. He's not going to let some dictator take charge. He's on the throne today. That's comforting to know, isn't it? With election year coming. I mean, it seems like another, this is like African elections, okay? We lived in Africa. And, and for when we, the building up to the African election, they told us, get out of the country. That's how comforting that was. Because that's how dangerous it got. I feel like leaving the country for, for election year. I was thinking that this morning. It's going to get bad for election year. What am I going to do, leave? But anyway, election. Hey, listen, you know what? Uh, whoever's on the, on the, in the White House is not on that throne, okay? Knock it down. Get it down good and sure. God is on the throne. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness, Psalm 48, 7 says. 47 verse 8. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom ruleth over all. The appearance of the Lord is described like a jasper and a sardin stone. The jasper stone is described as a crystal in chapter 21 and verse 11. It's the most brilliant, transparent stone. Some people think it refers to a diamond. Jasper was known as a symbol of wisdom. And then the stone also reminds us of the purity and wisdom of God. The sardine stone that the artist also put there around the throne right here is a red, ruby-like stone. Some people think it is a ruby. But it reminds us of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. Anytime you see red, usually, in, especially in the book of Revelation, 
It's usually reference to the blood of Christ because they're praising him on the throne for the blood that he shed. And we, we ought to praise him for that as well. So the stones represent, give, both stones gives us the idea of glory and beauty and sacrifice and judgment. The one on the throne is altogether lovely and glorious. And the one on the throne is none other than God the Father. You know, John was written in AD 96. John was an old man. The book of 1 John was written in AD 90. And most Bible scholars believe that it was also written, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John were written when he was on the Isle of Patmos. Could have been that he wrote it after this, because in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he says, God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Maybe he had already seen the vision. I don't know. But, but he, definitely, he, he definitely wrote it under the inspiration of God. The person on the throne is God the Father. Because in chapter 5, the, one on the, fa- the, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, is taking the scroll out of the Father's hand, the one on the throne. And we, may get to, we may do chapter 5 before we move on too. Because I told my friend yesterday, he used to be a missionary in France. I told him, I said, hey, I'm preaching on Revelation 4 tomorrow and uh, you know that's what preachers do we text back and forth tell what we're preaching he said hey man next time is revelation chapter five that's the missionary song i'm like oh brother i got to preach on that now that you said that but anyway anyway so god the father's on the throne no bodily form is given because god is spirit and has no body and john knew it john wrote that god john wrote it in john chapter four when he was talking to the woman at the well jesus said god is spirit they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then John in John chapter 1 and verse 18, he says, No man has seen God at any time. So someone comes up to you and they say, Man, we've seen God. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. God told Moses, You cannot look upon me and live. And God let him see his back parts. And Moses came off the mount looking like that. His face was glowing. You know, they had to put a put a sheet, a veil on him because he was glowing with the, with the Shekinah of God. The throne is surrounded by a beautiful green rainbow, an emerald. Whoa, 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 Daddy, what did you just do? All right, there and there, okay. A beautiful rainbow. It's green, it's emerald. You know, most of the time when we see rainbows, we see only a half of the rainbow. Has anybody ever been in a Airplane and seen a whole rainbow? Yeah, that's the only time you'll be able to see one. It's a complete circle. Rainbows are complete circles. There are, by the way, the rainbow speaks of God's promise. We need to get that down big and, big and sure right now. right? Don't let people steal the rainbow. It doesn't stand for pride. It stands for God's promise. The rainbow is God's. It stands for God's promise. When you see a rainbow in the sky, you ought to say, praise God, He's not going to flood this earth again. Because that's what he did. And here's a rainbow in heaven. And I think the rainbow here is green. I think green speaks of mercy. But I believe it's a complete circle indicating the fulfillment of God's promises. Because the rainbow speaks of God's promises. So this is maybe the fulfillment, a complete circle. Fulfillment of God's promises. That in heaven all things are complete. Judgment is getting ready to fall. But even though judgment is getting ready to fall, God is a God of mercy. Even in wrath, God is a God of mercy. And, and he's telling John this, and he's showing John this. And so the and, and this is an interesting thing, too. Usually the rainbow appears after the storm. 
This time the rainbow appears before the storm. Getting ready to be a storm hit this world. Ezekiel saw the same rainbow in heaven, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28. So the person on the throne. The next thing we see is the priesthood around the throne, verse 4. The priesthood around the throne. This picture shows 24 seats, 24 elders pictured right here. And then it also, the artist showed that it's representation because I believe the 24 are representation of all the, the multitude of the saints that are in heaven. But the representation, the priesthood around the throne, the, the, the words, let's, let's read verse, um, verse 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and had on their heads crowns of gold. Twenty-four seats. The word seat is the Greek word thronos or thrones. They're sitting on uh, thrones. Some think they're angels, but they're not angels because angels are the people there are being described as being clothed in white raiment and having crowns. In Revelation chapter 5, these same people are singing a song that they've been redeemed by the blood out of every nation and every tribe and every kindred. Angels can't be redeemed. Angels are not redeemed. They're not fallen. Well, there's some that are fallen. Angels, yes, but not the ones that are in heaven are not fallen angels. So they haven't been redeemed. These people that are, that are setting upon these thrones are representative, I think, 24, representative of all the church ages, all the ages of the church. And they're this re- representative. In other words, like in the Old Testament, you often had elders. 24 elders were appointed by David to represent the entire Levitical priesthood because that's who came together. You couldn't get everybody together. And before the throne of God, you have 24 representations of the saints from all the ages there. And um, the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. They had on white garments, which is a picture of righteousness. His robe for mine, Mike sang. I didn't tell him to sing that song. That the first time I ever heard that song was when Jonathan sang that song the first Sunday he was with us, if you remember back that far. But he sang that song, His robe for mine. You see, I got his robe. My sin, Jesus Christ took at the cross of Calvary, and it came, became mine the day I got saved. I took His righteousness. He took my unrighteousness, praise God. And my robe that He gave me is a robe of white, a robe of, uh, that shows that I'm clean by the blood of Christ. And that's what I think these people are wearing, represented. They have gold crowns on their heads. The crowns are, are uh, the word is stephanos, which is a reward given to athletes during the, the games. Now they give medals to, to athletes. But back in the day, they gave laurel wreath, crowns that were given. And God is going to give us some crowns. There's five different crowns listed in the Bible that we can, as believers, can receive. For, not for, to get us into heaven, no, but it's the work we've done for the Lord. God's going to reward our work. Everything you do for Him, God sees it. God's taking notes, and He doesn't miss a thing. And you pick up trash for the Lord. He sees that. You, you, do, you do some kind deed just in the name of the Lord that nobody sees. God is taking record, and God is going to record 
that for us. And it's given to believers for faithful service. The next thing we see in verse 5 is the power coming out of the throne. Just a brief word. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Again, the, the, uh, the artist put seven lamps burning right here, which represent the seven spirits of God or the, or the completeness of the Holy Spirit of God. But there again, lightning and thunderings. I grew up in a southwest Missouri, and we had storms, okay? We had big storms. And when it lightened and thundered, a storm was coming. And we could see it. I lived in an old house in the top uh, second story bedroom, and I could see it coming. And I just in time to get the covers over my head because it was loud and it rattled that house. But, and Jesus here is sending the, the throne from the throne. is coming out lightnings and thunderings and voices because the storm's coming on this earth. And John sees this happening. This is from the throne where, where this world is going to be judged. Listen, don't get too attached to this world. This world is marked for judgment. God's going to judge this world. You know, should we be, we're, we're stewards of this earth. Yes, we're stewards of this earth. But don't get too attached to this world. God's got it marked for judgment. And you talk about global warming now, friend. You read the Bible. He's going to warm it up, okay? He's going to warm it up. He's going to burn it up, okay? But what we're seeing, I, th- I think what we're seeing is like we that are believers, we're looking for the Lord's coming, and we long for the Lord's coming. But the Bible also talks to the book of Romans chapter 1 that the earth is groaning within itself waiting to be redeemed. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing you've got to admit, we're seeing some weird stuff on the earth today. I mean, weather-wise and and. And all these things that are happening, strange things that are happening on this earth, God is getting this earth ready. And I think, I really think in these last days before he comes, he's trying to get people's attention, wake them up saying, hey, hey, turn to me while you still can. Turn to me while you still can. I think he's sounding out the warning. So he sees this, this, this power coming out of the throne. Then he sees a beautiful picture before the throne, verse 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne, round about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So he sees a beautiful scene. He sees a, a, like a glassy sea before the throne. If you've ever been to Lake Tahoe early in the morning, or Tahoe's usually pretty calm, right? But I've been there a few times. It's one of those places, I'm, I'm just being, it's one of those places where, you know, to me, I've went and I don't, you know, it's like some places you go, you see, you don't want to go back. Fine, I've done that been there done that lake tahoe to me is a place i want to go back i I love it it's just it's just you go out early in the morning i remember one morning we went out and there were so many fires around all we saw was smoke we couldn't see the lake what a disappointment but you go out sometimes and it's just crystal clear it's like glass i think this is what john saw just a crystal clear sea before the throne of god indicating peace and stability and calmness in god's presence you see our god is not out of control. Our God is in control. And even though He's getting ready to pour out His wrath upon this earth, there's a calmness in God's presence. And you know where I want to live? I want to live in God's presence. I want to live in God's presence. We were talking about that in, in Sunday school, being, you know, when we pray, we're in God's presence, and there's peace in the midst of the storm. God's ready, getting ready to pour out His wrath on the, storm, 
on the on the earth. He sees these beach these these creatures. These creatures, and that's the, the next thing, the praise coming out of the midst of the throne, the latter part of verse 6 through verse 11. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, second beast like a calf, third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast like a flying eagle. Now, when you read the book of Revelation, you're going to hear the word like a lot. Well, you know, you talk to a... You talk to a millennium, you hear the word like a lot also, okay? You know, like I was over like at the mall, like, you know, like. Well, that's not the like that he's using. He's saying it was like something. So I think John, what John is saying is, I saw something that looked like this. In other words, and God's trying to transfer it over to what we know what it is. But it may not be exactly like that, but it was like that. It may not be exactly that, but it was like that. So he says, I saw something like that. And there were four beasts there. And again, this artist's conception, you can see it right here. The beast, this one, has the face of a lion. They each have six wings. You've got eyes. If you looked at this real close, there's eyes in before and without. The face of a calf, the face of a man, the face of an eagle right here. Well, Isaiah saw cherubim before the throne of God, flying beast that flew around the throne, crying, holy, holy, holy. Ezekiel saw the same creatures. He calls the calf an ox in Ezekiel. But I think this is what John saw, a heavenly scene. See, they all saw the same thing. The difference is they were on earth and they saw it in heaven. John was in heaven and he saw it up there. God gives us one last glimpse of this, and this is what we're going to see. The word beast means living creatures. The Greek word is zoa, which we, we get our word zoology or the study of of living creatures and animals. These creatures were similar to the ones that Isaiah saw, the seraphim, the cherubim flying around the throne. They were full of eyes, indicating wisdom. They're not omniscient like God. They're not all-knowing like God, but they're full of wisdom. They represent the creation of God and correspond to God's covenant made with Noah. Did you know that when God made a covenant with Noah... He made it with the animal kingdom too. Look at, go back to Genesis chapter 9 with me. This is interesting. I saw this early this morning. This is after Noah comes off the ark in Genesis chapter 9 in verse 8. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, and I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you and with every living creature that is with you. Right? Here it is. Of the fowl, the cattle, of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by waters of a flood, neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is my t- the token of the covenant which I make between you and between every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a token for a covenant between me and the earth. So, God put a rainbow in the sky as a covenant that he made between Noah and every living creature. God, remember, God called all the animals to come on the ark two by two, and God brought them there, and then when they came out, God made a covenant with them. 
And here they are now, creatures in heaven that correspond to the covenant that God made to Noah. They're there representing, just like the 24 elders are representing there. The worship, the beast and the elders and all representing all the saved, they fall down before the Lord and they cast their crowns before His throne. Look at verse 7. Um, well, verse 7 says, and The first beast was like a lion, second like a calf, third had the face of a man, the fourth beast like a flying eagle, and the four beasts, each of them had six wings about them, him. They were full of eyes within and rest not day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was which, and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before his throne. Wow. So this is a heavenly scene. This is what we're going to be able to partake of. We're going to be there, represented by the 12, uh, 24 elders there. We're going to be there with our, the crowns that the Lord has given us. And when they, they cry holy, and we see this heavenly scene, and they're crying holy, holy, holy. Is that all they do? Man, that's enough, okay? I mean, in our pea brain, we can't even hardly imagine. Why in the world? That doesn't sound like a good job, just to cry holy, holy, holy before the throne. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. Karen says, kind of weird, these animals. You know, these creatures got eyes everywhere. She said, I don't look. I said, I don't know. I don't, it, it may seem weird now, but it's not going to be weird when we get there. It's going to be beautiful. And when they, crop, they fall down and worship, then we fall down and worship. And we cast our crowns to His three feet. You know why we cast our crowns? Because we wouldn't even have a crown if it wasn't for Him. He's going to give us rewards and service according to our service. And He's going to place us, I believe, in the kingdom with responsibility according to our service on this earth. It does matter how we serve God. It does matter what we do with our life. But the crowns. We're just going to give them back. Thou art worthy, they sing. Look at the song that comes out, the praise that comes out. The song is, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are, and they were created. You know, the creation is a big thing. It's a huge thing. You know, the devil has attacked the first 11 chapters of the Bible because it speaks of God's creation. And all through the Bible you see believers praising Him for His creation. Here in heaven we're going to praise Him for His creation. And we're going to praise Him for why He created it. Look why He created it. For thy pleasure they are and were created. You know you and I were created for His pleasure. You know you, we're one of God's, we're the, we're the crown of God's creation, man is the crown of God's creation. And God created us for His pleasure, for His honor. I wonder this morning, is God getting the pleasure out of your life? Is God getting the honor that He deserves out of each of our lives? He deserves the best. He deserves the greatest out of our lives. He deserves that we give Him all that we got. That we spend our life, not just live your life, but you spend your life for Jesus Christ. You give Him all that you've got. God deserves that because He created us. And we sing, and thou art worthy for not only creating us, but then recreating us in Christ. So the creation, I think that's in there too, the recreation. We're all new creatures in Jesus Christ. And we're created for thy pleasure or will. They were created. 
Are you doing His will today? If you're not doing God's will today, you're living outside of God's blessings. God's got a plan for you. You know, just like that fingerprint is the only one like that in this world. Right? It is. You go down to the, you ever get booked? Just take my word for it on this one, okay? They're going to say, stick your tongue on that. No, they're not going to say that. They're going to say, stick your finger on that pad of ink. Why? Because that is unique to me. Okay? Just like that, God made you unique. God's got a unique will for your life. Number one, His will is that you get saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody here, everybody on this earth to be saved. If you're not saved today, it's God's will that you be saved. You can't, you're not going to see this heavenly scene like we're going to see unless you're saved. This is for saved people. If the rapture happens today and you're not saved, you'll be left behind. You'll be left behind for the seven years of tribulation, which you probably won't live through, and then you'll be cast into the lake of fire. Hell on earth and then the lake of fire to come. But you can be saved today. God's will is for you to be saved. Number two, God's will is for every one of us saved is to be worshiping Him. Not just in the house of worship, but worshiping with our life. True worship is me giving all that I am to Him, to, to He, because He deserves all that I have. It's just giving Him my life, serving Him with my life, I worship God. Every single day. In my work, I worship God. In my life, I worship God. In my home, I worship God. It's me worshiping the Lord, giving my life as a sacrifice to Him. And then something else about this, I think this is a good application. In heaven, who's the center of attention? God is. You know who needs to be a center of attention in our lives? God does. That's right. God needs to be the center of attention. God doesn't need to just be something we do a little bit on Sunday morning. Check. No, God needs to be everything in our lives. And if He's not, He wants to be. He doesn't want to be left out of anything. He wants to be in your life, in every area of our lives, the Lord of Lord of every area of our lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this heavenly scene that we see in Revelation chapter 4. Thank you for saving my life, Lord, and my soul so that I could one day look forward to this. Lord, I pray that every person here is saved, and if they're not, Lord, help them to be saved today. Have your will and way in every life, we pray. Our heads are bowed today. Piano's going to play in just a minute. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never been saved. I'm not asking if you're a church member or a member of this church. But if you're here and you've never been saved, you're not 100% sure you're on your way to heaven, we're going to ask you to come this morning and let us take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure. You're on your way to heaven. That's an important, the most important decision you'll ever make. And if we can help you with that, we'd love to. And maybe you just need to come and pray this morning. Maybe you just need to come and worship the Lord this morning. God, we pray you'd have your will and way in every life this morning. In Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're praying as a piano. Let's stand together.